Welcome to Stories from Nowhere. I'm your host, Randall Bond. Today's story is entitled, Shooting Stars. I've been spending a lot more time with my wife and youngest children during this quarantine, and one of the pleasant surprises to come out of all of this has been the realization that my youngest daughter, Caitlin, who's 14, loves the Marvel superheroes movies. We've been trying to watch two or three a week as we go through the entire Avengers timeline. One night, as we were lying in bed watching the first Hulk movie on my laptop, she asked if I had ever done anything like this with Lauren, Lindsay, and Claire, her older sisters. I told her that we often did things like this, mainly because I couldn't afford to do much else. I was a single dad for several years. I went through a very difficult time financially, emotionally, and spiritually, and my girls were about the only thing that kept me going. I didn't have much money, and I tried to focus on creating memories and moments with them as much as I possibly could. I would sometimes try and make extra money by working on cars for friends and families. In fact, the first time my daughters ever heard me cuss was while I was working on a car for a friend of mine. I was in a hurry, and I didn't let the car cool down completely. As I reached up to remove a bolt, my arm got stuck between a brace and the exhaust manifold, and I seared my arm quite badly. As I crawled out from under the car, skin hanging off of my forearm, my three daughters were looking at me, horrified. I tried to explain to them that Daddy would be alright, that the burn looked worse than it was, and that I just needed to go get a bandage. When Lindsay, my middle daughter, looked at me and said, No, Daddy, you said the S word. It's funny to look back on now, but at the time... That might have been the biggest disappointment they had in me, hearing their dad cuss because I'd scalded my arm working on a car. But the girls endured quite a lot during that time. A flea-infested basement apartment that we had to share with the owner's two inhospitable cats. We then moved to a building downtown where I received a free flat in exchange for doing maintenance and management work. This blue three-story building shared a wall with a gay nightclub, and we would sometimes have to sleep in the living room area because the music creeping through was so loud we couldn't get to sleep. I'd have to run drug addicts out of the entryway to our building as they were shooting up. Sometimes I'd have to call the police because there were fights in the street in front of the building, and I remember one time a very loud altercation was taking place, so I opened my window and shouted for them to be quiet, because it was 2.30 in the morning. When I was invited down to settle the matter, I informed them I had no desire to fight and was simply going to call the cops if they couldn't move their activities elsewhere. That apartment didn't have much. The two older girls shared a room that we tried desperately, with the help of my sister, to make into a cute bedroom. We painted the walls bright colors and put down some carpet remnants, but they slept together on an old futon, that pretty much took up the entire space when it was laid flat, and you had to pass through their room to get to the bathroom. Claire slept on a toddler bed that barely fit into a little nook in my bedroom. We placed some shelves on the wall, we put some pictures and some other toys on those shelves, and we put a net of stuffed animals above her head, and we installed a small multicolored curtain so that she could have her own space. It wasn't a nice apartment, and it certainly wasn't in a nice part of town. I often worried when I had them, but 
They seemed to love it when they were there. We watched The Lion King and The Little Mermaid on VHS incessantly, and we absolutely wore out Shania Twain's Come On Over album. We knew all of the lyrics and would often sing, Man, I Feel Like a Woman, on repeat for an hour or more, dancing around the living room. They also really loved Faith Hill's The Way You Love Me. There's a line in that song that says, It's not right, it's not fair, what you're missing over there. And I changed the lyrics to, It's not right, it's not fair, to see me dancing in my underwear, which completely cracked my girls up. And if that song came on the radio, they would beg me to sing those lyrics, laughing every time. To this day, if I hear any Shania Twain or Faith Hill song, I'm transported back to that tiny apartment on Kansas Avenue in downtown Topeka. A year later, I began teaching up at Holton High School, and I would often take the girls with me when I had evening concerts. I'd race home after school, shower, change, drive across town to pick them up, and then zip back up to the school, a good 45-minute drive from where we lived, so I could get there about an hour before the concert began. I'd have the girls sit on the front row in the auditorium. I'd give them some books to color or to read, and then I would tell them to be still until the concert was over. I would then go about my preparations, getting my students lined up and ready before the concert would even begin, and my girls would sit there for an hour to an hour and a half by themselves, and they were absolute angels. I would routinely have parents and patrons ask me how I got them to sit still for so long and without needing anyone to sit with them to make sure they behaved. Most of the students, parents, and community members began to think of my girls as their own, and the girls always enjoyed the added attention the high school students would give them. One evening, while returning home from one of these concerts, I pulled my blue Plymouth Voyager into an open field, and I spread out a blanket, and I had all of us lie down under the stars, watching for meteors. As we peered into the twinkling sky, we talked about many things, some serious, many silly, and as I was pointing out various constellations, the suggestion was made that we could make our own constellation. The girls thought that was a good idea, and after some careful consideration and struggling to find stars that resembled anything, we finally decided on four stars that roughly formed a diamond. And then we found a series of stars that loosely followed this diamond, creating a tail, and we called our formation the Bond Kite. We talked about how cool it was to have our own constellation, and I told them that it would be there forever. That even after I had passed away, and they had children and grandchildren, and even their grandchildren's grandchildren, that that bond kite would still be there. One of my daughters even wrote a paper for school about that experience, and, and I still have it somewhere. After we packed up and got on the road home, Claire my youngest at the time, started asking existential and religious questions. And she asked me if God made trees. And I said, well, God made trees. And she's like, well, what about cows? And what about horses? I'm like, well, yeah, God made cows and God made horses. And then she asked if God made houses. And I gave a detailed explanation that God didn't make houses, but he created intelligent people that figured out how to build houses. And then Lindsay chimed in. She said, well, yeah, Claire, but some people aren't smart enough to build houses. Some people are retarded. And while Lindsay didn't mean this in a derogatory way, I still had to stifle my laughter because I thought it was hysterical. Of course, this was 20 years ago, before we all realized the stigma associated with that word. I would often take the girls out to watch shooting stars throughout the year. 
One of my favorite times was when we went to one of the highest hills in the Topeka area, away from the city lights, to watch the Perseid meteor shower. Now, if you haven't seen this event, it's usually in early to mid-August, it's something to behold. On a good night, if you're away from the light pollution of a city, it's possible to see dozens of these per hour. As we began making our arrangements to leave, the two older girls, Lord and Lindsay, got more and more excited. Clara, on the other hand, told me that she didn't want to go and that she was scared. And I tried to tell her there was nothing to be afraid of and that we'd all have a great time watching these shooting stars together. After driving 20 minutes or so out of town, we parked the van and began to unload. The older girls were busy spreading out blankets and sleeping bags and placing their pillows where they wanted them and getting out the drinks and the snacks that we had prepared, but Claire refused to leave the van. She would have been about four at the time. So I picked her up and brought her over to lie down beside me, but she refused to lie down and climbed on top of me, burying her face and squeezing my neck as tightly as she could. No amount of pleading or prodding would make her turn to watch the night sky. After... 25 or 30 minutes of Lauren and Lindsay ooing and aahing over the spectacle, I forced Claire to turn over and watch. As she lay on my chest, my arms wrapped tightly around her, a large meteor tore through the night sky. It was flying east to west, and it split the heavens as it changed several different colors, finally appearing to explode just over the horizon. Claire was beside herself, and somewhat angrily she said to me, Daddy, them stars weren't shooting. Them's just falling. We learned later that she thought the stars were literally going to be shooting at us. My girls endured a lot for many years. I moved four times in three years, and each place we moved had its own set of obstacles. But we always seemed to make it work, and it really felt like it was us against the world when we were together. I don't have many regrets. I have a good life. I'm doing a job I love. I'm married to an amazing woman, living in a nice house. I have two other incredible children, and for the most part, I feel exceptionally blessed most days. I'm a much better parent to my youngest two children, Caitlin and Jackson, than I was to Lauren, Lindsay, and Claire. Some might say that I've grown soft over the years, but I learned from the mistakes I made with my older girls, and I've tried to build upon the things I did well. But as I think back over these past almost 30 years, I'd give nearly anything to spend one more day dancing around the living room to Shania Twain in that tiny apartment in downtown Topeka, or spreading out a blanket and watching shooting stars, or playing Barbies until way past bedtime. It's odd to say now, but some of the best times of my life were spent in run-down houses and apartments singing, laughing, and playing together. I think sometimes we forget that simply being together and making memories lasts longer and is more important than any physical gift we might give. Don't bury your head and let the shooting stars of your life pass you by. Take the time to turn and see what you might be missing. And don't be afraid to get away from it all and make some memories that might last a lifetime. Thank you for joining us today on Stories from Nowhere. I'm your host, Randall Bond. We appreciate you being with us and listening. Join us every Monday for a new podcast.